Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Geshom share with us today from the life of Joshua on how the promises of God can become realities in our life. Joshua's tenacious faith and courageous conquests are things that we can seek to apply in our lives. Are you ready to be challenged today by God into taking your stand and looking to the future with hope? Hi church, it's such a joy and a privilege to be bringing God's word to you today. And uh, for all of those of you who are watching online and for those of you who are listening to us, uh, I just want to say that um, over the last uh, five years, God's been faithful. Even as we step into August of 2023, uh, it's going to be five years since we started Via Zion. And uh, even as we uh, have been going through um, some sermons, I think in the last two weeks, we've uh, heard uh, from Jaren from the life of Jonah. And last week, we heard uh, what it is to actually put our roots deeper and so that we can bear fruits right above and how deep are our roots really going. And uh, even as we've heard all that, and even as it was my turn to preach, uh, I was really uh, asking about God, what is it that I need to speak about? And then God directed me to a particular passage, which uh, was spoken to me over uh, even before starting church. And uh, I believe God wanted me to revisit that passage. One, because I think five years is pivotal for us as to uh, why we've started, where we are at and where we are going. But second, also to remind us that at the end of it, God's calling us for this journey. God's calling us to do what he's called us here on this earth. He saved us all for a purpose. He set us free from the clutches of sin. He's given us grace and salvation and we're being redeemed today not to live lives independently and alone all by ourselves so that we can enjoy the goodness of eternity all by ourselves so that we'll be able to make much room for others, not just for ourselves, so that we'll be able to invite many others into the fold of salvation, so that many others will be able to be participants of eternity with Jesus. And so even as um, I took some time to uh, go back and look into that, we're going to go into a two-part series. I'm going to be speaking this week as part one and part two uh, in the coming week. And I've titled the sermon as From Promise to Reality. From Promise to Reality. And even as I've titled it that, we're going to look from specifically from the life of Joshua. But even before we dive into that, I just want to ask you, how many of you are actually holding on to a promise? How many of you are actually holding on to something God's promised you and you have not seen it come? You've not seen it become a reality. And for me specifically, this sermon was something, even as I was preparing, it took me back five years to that very instance, that dilemma, that point of conflict that I had with myself as to God, do you really want me to do this? Isn't there something else that I can do? And even as we look into the scriptures, I want you to be encouraged as I was encouraged. I want you to step into uh, the next step that God's calling you, knowing that the promise will become a reality only when we trust and follow Jesus. And so, uh, you know, moving back 
just to give you some context as to how this all came about 2016 we had uh, moved back from mumbai and we were here and god specifically started speaking into us uh, to both me and tina saying that you know uh, i've called you for something bigger we didn't know what i had a meeting with a fellow pastor friend and it was regarding some other work and as i was talking to him he asked me this question geshwam what is it you want to be doing 15 years from now and one conversation led to another and i came to this place of actually telling him my deepest desire to journey with people who call themselves creatives and uh, it was interesting and he said you know what gesham what you're saying sounds like a church you know and i'm currently hosting this church planting training why don't you be part of it and so he invited both me and tina and we both started that journey that then in 2016 and 2017 and it it's one thing which i would say has been a turning point to just show up show up with questions come back with questions answered show up with doubts come back with answers that are coming directly from the word of god and so time after time when we went after these you know when we went into these sessions and came out we came out with a renewed sense of what god was calling us to do and you know in theory everything seemed right in theory everything seemed well and we are right here in 2018 and we are about to make this decision and you know making the decision is um not the um easiest thing but you know as a first step of faith i was able to make decisions where no one can see so um you know august uh, july of 2018 Uh, you know we came up with a name as to why we are zion but before that even with the name coming in we had created a facebook page we had created an instagram account we had brought a domain in faith all this happened in a matter of just a few hours we were excited but then when we had to make the decision to start i got cold feet and tina at that time um spoke over me a passage from the scripture which we'll be meditating but before that i wanted to give you context as to how we came about that name we were talking and we realized you know what there are so many who are bruised outside there are so many who are uh, spiritually handicapped who are feeling like you know what i have no hope in this world and we were reading the passage of micah 4 and that's where we felt god was calling all of us to his mountain his mountain called mount zion and i want to read that passage from micah 4 6 to 8 to revisit that again and this is what it says in that day declares the lord i will gather the lame i will assemble the exiles and those i have brought to grief i will make the lame my remnant those driven away a strong nation the lord will rule over them in mount zion from that day and forever as for you watchtower of the flock stronghold of daughter of zion the former dominion will be restored to you kingship will come to the daughter jerusalem and even as this is talking entirely about the people of you know who've gone into captivity being restored back this is also talking about a time when everyone can come come to the feet of god and find redemption and it's interesting that uh, the the journey to a mountain looks different for each and every one and it says here specifically those who are lame those who've been crippled those who've been completely exhausted those who are willing to give up those who are struggling and who are wayward are the ones who are finding redemption here and so as god gave this verse we realize you know what all of us have a baggage that we all carry till we met jesus some of us even after meeting jesus we still are carrying heavy loads of guilt and shame but it's in this journey towards him 
that we become whole. It's that journey when we move towards Him, we become clean. It's to, when we move towards Him, we become free. When we move towards Him is when we are healed of all our past uh, guilt and shame and hurt. And so it became more clear that not it's not a few people who are wholesome who are calling, but everyone who's broken who are going. And so as we thought about it, we felt, you know what, we wanted to call it, you know, we wanted to make it more of a community. And so we called it as We Are Zion. And as we move towards this, I was like, God, you've given us a name. You've given us all the digital handles that we need. But why, why am I rocking this boat? I was personally shaken up with this. You know, when faith sometimes uh, when it has to be exhibited, it has to be exhibited from a place of coming to an understanding of saying, God, this is only possible by you. And, I, and for me, it was like, God, my kids are currently okay. They're going to Sunday school. They're happy. Why do I have to do this? And then Tina spoke this passage over me. And that's why I strongly believe as Christians, as Christ followers, for those of you who are longing to get married, pray for a spouse who is in the faith. For those of you who are married and who are having a spouse who probably is doubting the faith, pray that your faith will be strengthened. Because it's important in times like this, when one of the spouse is struggling to make a God decision, the other spouse has to speak faith. And so she spoke from Joshua chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. She spoke, she just paraphrased it and said, Geshom, we've come all this far. You can't have one leg on land, one leg in water. You need to step into the Jordan. You need to step into the Jordan and stand right there for God to work through. And I can be assured that I took time to understand that. I knew probably it was the passage that she was meditating on that week. But even as I went back and read that, I was encouraged reading from Joshua's life. Because right before Joshua 3, Joshua 1, Joshua 1 seemed to have a cold feet of leading his people. And God strengthened him there. And this is what happened in Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This seemed more of a passage because when the leader had to step in, because I believe God has appointed a few of us as priests. And the one of the things about being a priest is to do God's work. And as we are doing God's work, sometimes it requires us to lead in the front. And so as I personally made that choice, I said, God, I'm stepping into the Jordan. I don't want to be, you know, away from the promised land. I want to head towards the promised land. And if this season requires us to step out, I will step out wholeheartedly. I will step out wholeheartedly. And so I personally came to, you know, it took me a couple of days. I made that decision. And this passage was very pivotal in that. One, because 
to face the future of what God's destined for us to do required me to trust God wholly. And me being a very logical person, me not learning from the incident that happened in 2009 when God literally got my attention to get into full-time ministry. I still had my doubts. And I believe many of you today are there where you have a promise from God, but you're unable to see the reality because you're stuck in between. You're struggling. You're like, God, I, I would rather be in the wilderness than actually head to the promised land because I know it won't be an easy ride. But I'm here to encourage you. Five years into this and why God gave me this passage, I'm here to encourage many of us who are probably still struggling to step into those waters. I don't know what kind of security you're looking at. It could be probably, um, um, you know, finances or you're probably looking at a job or you're probably looking at, you know what, it seems well settled here. Or it could be something drastically different from your comfort zone as to what God wants to make a decision, uh, wants you to make a decision for yourself. And even today in the midst of all of this, having witnessed many things, I still had doubt. And so I'm confident today that as many of you who are seated wherever you're at and listening, I'm sure you still have your doubts. You have witnessed, you've seen God, but you still are doubting God. I can't take that step. It seems difficult. I don't know why you're calling me into the unknown. I want to have a blueprint. I want to have a strategy in place. And lo and behold, after we dipped our feet. After I dipped my feet, my family followed. And beautiful has it has been beautiful these last five years just to see God unfold. What I thought was church plant, God unfolded it. And then time after time, we've been seeing God open it up. And we've been seeing God being glorified in and through us. And so even as we go through this, I just want to encourage you today, if you're stuck if you're holding back, if you're thinking twice before plunging into the call of God upon your life. For a lot of us, we've committed our life to Jesus, but we outwardly, we are struggling to testify. We are outwardly are struggling to talk about our faith. Outwardly, we are struggling to stand for what is right. Today, in 2023, gray lines are becoming more wider. Black and white is shrinking to the corners. Gray, we are, out, we are okay to be caught in the gray. We feel justified by being in the grave, but God wants us to stand for what is right. Your faith has to speak it out. For some of you, for those of you who have committed your life to Christ and accepted Jesus, are struggling to tell your faith to your parents. Today, the call of God is so that we will be able to testify and tell boldly, Jesus is my God. Jesus is calling me. I am part of a community of believers. I want to step into what God has called us to do. So even before we go into all of this, I just want to encourage you saying that this season will seem like God just giving you a command to say go. There's a common denominator. Wherever you're at, wherever I am, God's still asking us, would you be able to step into the will of God knowing that I am in control? Will you trust me wholeheartedly? The common denominator is that we need to trust God so that we can step into this wholeheartedly. So even as we go into the passages, I have two key points I want to talk to us because I believe that if we don't set this, we won't be able to survive the journey that God's calling us to survive. 
we need to constantly be reminding us. And today, even as I'm talking, it's not I'm talking from a place what I've learned and experienced, but it's also from a talking of ongoing, you know, this battle that we have every day where I'm reminding God, you are still God over my life. Jesus, it's you who is unfolding the will of God in my life. I'm not unfolding it. You're unfolding it for me. To see a promise into reality, the first thing we need to do is to stop looking back because our God goes before us. We need to stop looking back because our God goes before us. How many of you love looking back? We, especially when you're meeting, you know, older people, they'll say back in the day. And it's good to reminisce, but we can't get stuck there. Oh, back in the day, onions costed two rupees. Tomatoes costed five rupees. Or back in the day, the petrol was just four rupees. We are moving forward. And the reason we are looking ahead is because God is ahead of us. How many of you believe God is ahead of you? For a lot of us, we believe God is behind. Or for some of us, God is distant because we've taken another route. Would you come back to him? For the promise to become a reality, we need to stop looking back. We should look forward because God is before us. I want to read a passage from Numbers chapter 13. And I said this is lessons from the life of Joshua because I feel the first part which I'm talking are more lessons what he caught than what was taught to him. God didn't directly talk to him. These were lessons that he caught off Moses. He saw Moses. He saw how he led. He saw how the people reacted. He saw what God did. And he, you know, he learned a lot from what was happening right in front of him. And many a times God wants us to be careful observers so that we'll be able to see what's happening in front of us, see what's happening in other people's lives, learn and also do what God's calling us to do. Numbers chapter 13 verses 27 to 33. Uh, verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses had said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So even today, as I read this passage, the context that uh, happens behind this is um, the Israelites are in the wilderness. Moses sends his uh, 12 spies from the 12 different tribes. He sends them to go and explore this land. And as he sends them to explore, they come back attesting to the promise that God had given them, that they, he's taking them to a land flowing with milk and honey. But when they came back, they attested that you are sending us there here are the fruits but they saw everything and they got scared they got cold feet and so today i don't know what journey you're in what is god asking you to step out of i don't know whether you are 
in a toxic relationship which God is wanting you to step out of. I don't know whether you're in a cycle of debt that God's wanting you to step out of. Or I don't know whether you're in, caught in a cycle of abuse that God's wanting you to step out of. I don't know whether you're caught into something which is so bad that you have been struggling all your life and you're like, God, I need help, but I'm struggling to get out of it. It starts with you. Don't look around and get scared, but rather look around and ask God, God, you promised me freedom and I want to step into that freedom. And so today, what happens here is they give a report, but they rally the people around. They rally the people around and when they rally the people around, they are talking about who these people who are occupying those lands are. Yes, they might have had different uh, weapons of warfare. Yes, they would have looked different. They would have looked established. But God wanted his people to go in and occupy that place. And I want you to understand that they were in the midst of the presence of God. The presence of God was not devoid there. They had the physical presence of God and yet they had unbelief so high. These are the same people who were in Egypt in slavery. They had been set free, Moses, and gone there and set with God doing 10 different wonders there in front of Pharaoh, set them free, brought them out, helped them cross the Red Sea, provided manna and quail. He was there with them, yet they didn't take him at his word. And so today I want to be very uh, clear. We need to take God at his word, not a part of it. Not a section of it, but entirely. If he has a promise and if this subsequent text has an act of obedience, we need to do that. Never expect a promise to get fulfilled without obeying what the word of God says. A lot of times, all of us are trying to look out for that kind of shortcut. We are trying to see, okay, you know what, how can I get this without doing the hard yards? In Christendom, you have to do the hard yards. No kingdom of God was established here on earth without the hard yards being done. You can hear the language of the world which says work smart, but in the kingdom of God, it required us to say yes to the call. And the call was always the hardest. I'm just coming after a missions conference which happened in Bangkok and I'm empowered, encouraged, and I feel established in the call of God that God's given me because of hearing the testimonies that came out of the people who spoke from the stage. None of them took a back seat into the cushion that God had given them, into the jobs that God had given them, into the universities that they had you know, passed out of. They all took the stand to do the call of God on their life. So today, if, we, if I am able to do this, is only because God enabled me to do it. It was not of my own strength. God encouraged me. But the, the first step has to be mine. Because that's where he's given us as humans the power of choice to either give in or either to step out. And I would rather give in to the promise and do what is required so that the promise will become a reality. The second thing I want to emphasize specifically with this particular aspect is the Israelites thought on some level, God is a template God. He will work it out like how we did before. They didn't realize God's ways are unique. God's ways are higher. And a lot of us today are stuck in that same rut. We think, you know what, God will come the same way. If I just keep doing this, he'll work it out. No, God has a unique way of doing and delivering and restoring things in our life. He's not a control C, control V or a command C and command V for those who are Apple. 
He's not a God who just goes there and looks at a template and says, okay, Geshom, let's do template number 10. He's not a God who actually needs references. He doesn't have to constantly. He's a God who is in control. So today, if his promises have to become a reality, you and I have to stop looking back. Stop looking back. We'll be reminded of the miracles he's done, but we won't expect him to do it the same way. We will look forward because God, you're going before me. You do it your way. And I want to be surprised, God. I want to be surprised. I want to know what you're doing is amazing. They forgot the person who had led them thus far. Reading from Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 to 18, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Verse 21, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Exodus chapter 16 verses 10 in the message says, When Aaron gave out the instructions to the whole company of Israel, they turned to face the wilderness and there it was the glory of God visible in the cloud. Exodus chapter 19 verses 18 to 20 talks about Mount Sinai and the smoke of God coming down as fire. Smoke poured down on its, like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain shuddered and have, the trumpet blast grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered in thunder. Exodus chapter 40 verses 36 to 38. Whenever God lifted, whenever the cloud lifted from the dwelling, the people of Israel set out on their travels. But if the cloud did not lift, they wouldn't set out until it didn't lift. The cloud of God was over the dwelling during the day and fire was at night, visible to all the Israelites in all its travels. God was the one who was leading them, yet they didn't trust God. So today you and me have a challenge in front of us. Are we leading ourselves or are we allowing God to lead us? physically? In a, in a world where we physically can't see a cloud, the people of Israel, even though they had a cloud, they saw the cloud of fire. They saw the cloud that was there during the day, which went along with them. Yet, they struggled. Yet, they struggled in trusting this God. Honestly, I'm thinking, God, if this was the case, I would have just followed the cloud. I wouldn't have done anything else. But you can see a lot of us are struggling because we want God to come through the way we would like. God's here to say, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to show my power. Because at the end of it, the glory only belongs to him. He doesn't want us to take the glory. Earlier when I started this particular point, I said the word remnants. A lot of us reminisce the whole uh, thing of certain things. And I, I just wanted to go back to the meaning of what reminisce is. It says to talk or write about the past experience that you remember with pleasure. The Israelites, oftentimes in their time of struggle and hardship, always reminisced back to Egypt that they were eating this, they were eating that, but they forgot that they were in slavery. 
A lot of times we too are reminiscing times when we're good, but we forgot we were in bondage. We forgot that we were in an abusive relationship, forgot that we were stuck in a rut of guilt and shame. And today God's saying, I want you to be delivered, which means you need to be surrounded by my promises, which means you need to be surrounded by my presence. The Holy Spirit is here to take us in that journey. You and me cannot make this step into the waters alone. We need to have our trust solely on God because it's through Him we'll be able to see the promises become a reality. We can all reminisce, but may we bring God into it. May we always remind ourselves that it's because of His blood that I can experience His grace and freedom and can live the life He wants me to live according to His plan. If there's anything that's involved in all of this as a denominator, it says God. It's got God all over. So today, how do we overcome this? How do we? It comes down to us speaking His promises, us speaking about God, us testifying and witnessing about God. Otherwise, the enemy will have a say at it. Enemy will use our past experiences to dictate our future and the present in which we have to walk into. Revelation 12 verses 10 to 12 talks about how we can overcome. And this is what it says. Then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying, Salvation and power are established. Kingdom of our God, authority of his Messiah. The accuser of our brothers and sisters thrown out who accused them day and night before God. They defeated him through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Today, when you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you are bought with a price, you are set free, you are free indeed. That has to be the word that comes out of your mouth. Not to say, you know what, I don't think I'm free. Oh, you know what, you know, I think this. Oh, no, you are set free. Your word of your testimony matters. And that happens because they were not in love with themselves. They were in love with God. Today, who are we in love with? Are we in love with a spouse more than God? Are we in love with our children more than God? Are we in love with our parents more than God? Today, are we in love with the material things of this world more than God? So much that they were willing to die for Christ. Come to a place of being in love with God so much that he's ahead of you. You know confidently he's leading you in this direction. You can say, I prayed, I sought the Lord and he answered and this is what he told me. So church, even as you close this point, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to see this promise become a reality. Would you stop looking back? Looking back and seeing God in it perfect. But looking back and just going down uh, a path of bitterness, saying this is not working out for me, will just break and diminish the power of God on your life. Rather look to the God who's going before you. He's making a way. He will make the crooked path straight. Trust in him. Pray. Commit your ways to him. He will direct your paths. The second thing is we need to stop grumbling because we are witnesses to the miraculous. And I feel a lot of us today, 
in 2023 are grumbling, feel like we use words like, you know what, I need to vent it out. Or, you know, we need to say things like, you know what, I need to get it out of my system. And we bundle up a lot of things together. But at the most, what we are doing is we're diminishing what God can do. We are speaking death over the promises that God has offered to us. Can we go ahead and read the next chapter in Numbers? Numbers 14, 26 to 35. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has counted in the senses and who has grumbled against me? Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephne, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year. For each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know that it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness. Here they will die. Church, I just want us to come to a place to say that we cannot see the promises of God in our life if we are grumbling. I've been around grumbling people a lot and when I've been around them, all that I've seen from them is bitterness, jealousy and I've seen them being in the same space spiritually. They have not grown, they have not matured, they don't see the kingdom of God for what it is, they, uh, their understanding of money has shrunk, they have come to a place of literally seeing it through a microscopic lens of what God has to do. And I believe a lot of us are not able to see the promises of God in our own lives because we have a spirit of grumbling. It's not a spirit of complaining, it's a spirit of grumbling. Grumbling is typically you are belittling the very thing God has given you. Yeah, if something is not served right, we raise a complaint. Totally understandable. But when God's promises are there, when God said, I will, I'm calling you to do this, you are doing this for me. And so even as I started this uh, entire sermon saying that, you know what, this is what God's called us to do. He called us to plant a church. It caused, these are the two big lessons that I got from that passage five years back. One, I won't look back because the way church was done, if I had to look back, was entirely different. God was calling me to do something new, which means which meant that I had to look to a God who's going before me. And so I would encourage you that you would do that. The second was to stop grumbling. I had seen, I had, I had been in the midst of church hurt. I had been in the midst of people mistreating me. I had been in the midst of everything, but I chose to overcome. It was tough, but I chose to intentionally overcome the grumbling and say, God, if you're calling me to this, I want to start with a clean slate. And what does that mean? Which means, God, I'll allow you to have the final word. I won't allow anyone else. So even between me and Tina, we would encourage each other. We would say, hey, you know what? 
let's just stop talking. I think God has a plan. Which meant, I'm not, it's not like I'm not understanding what she's saying. I understand. But it's like we are drawing our conclusion to say, let God have the final say in this. Because we were people who witnessed the miraculous in our lives. And so for us to witness the miraculous doesn't mean that we can talk about a God who will not come through or a God who will not do. So today I want to ask you, what are you grumbling about? How do we want God to remember us? It says here in this in this passage, in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 26, he says, I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. God is a God who hears. So which means I don't want God to know Geshom as grumbling Geshom, even though it starts with G again. I don't want God to know as grumbling Geshom, no. I want keep God to know me as a grateful Geshom. Yes, God, my life was not easy. I didn't, uh, I, it didn't work out the way I liked. My plans didn't happen as I wanted. Things didn't turn out. You trained me for something, but the battlefield you put me was entirely different. God, but I'm still grateful. My grumbling should be turned to gratefulness. A prelude to this entire thing is where Moses sent, they saw the promised land, they saw the promised land in reality. Twelve of them went, scouted, and they came. They saw it in reality, which meant they just had to trust God alone. But they started grumbling. Grumbling because of their situation. Grumbling because of what their analytics showed them. Today, in a day that we are living with data being thrown across everywhere, never bring that data to God's feet because it won't make sense. God will do. His equations are different. He will outsmart the very analytics that we are trying to break into, the very uh, essence of number games that we are trying to have. So today, what are we grumbling about, if I had to ask you? That we don't have enough finances? But we have, we have to be grateful for a job that we have. You know what, that I don't have a spark with my spouse, that, you know, when, when we look into each other's eyes, we don't get that immediate passion. We need to be grateful that we are married. With the amount of divorces and separation that's happening, we need to be grateful for that. For those of you who are single, oh, you know what? I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend to share this with. Be happy that you have time in your hands. You have time to find the right godly spouse. For some of you who are like, you know what? God has not given me a kid yet. I'm longing for that. But I would challenge you. Are you grateful for what God's given you right now? Are you even doing the plan and purpose that you at this point as a couple have to do? Because if you don't grow into doing this fully, how will he give you that? I strongly believe that. That many a times when we don't get certain things in life because we've not fully finished the work that was assigned for us in the current state that we are in. So I would encourage you, would you find and pursue that and find that? What is God wanting us to do? What is that God thing that I've missed out entirely? For those who've had kids, I believe we need to look at it. God, am I aiding and fulfilling the plan that you have for their life? Or am I working in cross purposes? Because many a times we have our own sets of dreams and plans for our kids, but it has to come down to what God has in store for them. I don't have the right job or the dream job that I want, but I think I need to be grateful for what I have. Oh, I don't have fancy food. Oh, they get to eat like that. I don't get to eat like that. Be grateful that you have food on your table. Because there are many others who are starving outside. 
I want to read this quote by Francis Fraggy Payne, and this is what it says: "We have received too much from God to allow ourselves opportunities for unbelief. We have received too many gifts and privileges to allow a grumbling, murmuring heart to disqualify us of our destiny. In contrast, the thankful heart sees the best part of every situation. It sees the problems and weaknesses as opportunities, struggles as refining tools, and sinners as saints in progress." So today, I want us to come to a place where we'll remove this grumbling spirit. If we have to step into that water and stand in the middle, as I had to do it personally, these two things had to stop. I had to stop looking back. I had to stop grumbling. And so, when I say stop grumbling, it's because we are second guessing God. We are like God. I think you might or you might not. But we need to allow and be in this posture that we'll say, "God, I only trust you solely, because only you can complete it." Gr- our grumbling should be replaced with His life-giving light. Our grumbling, grumbling is a dark place. Would you allow His light to come through that cracks so that it will lighten it up and darkness will get dispelled? Philippians chapter two verses fourteen to sixteen talks about grumbling, and that he says, "Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living and of the living God. Carry the light giving message into the light, so I'll have good cause to be proud of you." On the day that Christ comes, you will be living proof that I didn't go through all this, and it was for nothing. So today, I want us to come to a place. If you've been grumbling, and if you've been unable to see His promises becoming a reality, would you stop grumbling? I know for a lot of us, this could be a wake-up call, where you know what I've been. Stuck in this place and all this while, I didn't realize I've been complaining, complaining, complaining. Let's take it to God in prayer, big, small. Even if it's above God, take it to Him. He's able to handle it. God may not change the people that are around us, but He change certainly will change the way we perceive things, the way we see things after we've taken it to Him. And I believe, as I continue to part two next week. I want to share with you of what God did because of that one act of obedience of trusting Him. When I intentionally said, "God, I'm stepping into this because of You. I'm stepping into this because You want me to do this. I'm stepping into this because this is Your call over my life." I could see God go before me, and I could see that God was working everything out. The miracles that he worked out earlier in my life all made sense because it was a lead up to this very moment. So, church, today, even as we take some time to pray, I just want to ask if you would commit yourself and rededicate yourself to say, "God, I'm sorry that I've allowed your promises to fall on hard soil and not bear fruit. I'm sorry for looking back and thinking I needed something else. But let me look ahead and look at you right now. Go before me, Lord Jesus." And for those of you who have been grumbling all your life, who are unable to take a step of faith, grumbling never saved anyone. 
grumbling never brought anyone to the salvation grumbling never fulfilled god's promises but rather grumbling just made you stay put in the same place for your life long would we look to god and say god i want to see the miraculous the miraculous that i've witnessed ever since i've born i've seen time and again open my eyes to see those miraculous those supernatural wonders that you've done that i would marvel in that and that i would look forward that even as i take this step into the waters today in obedience that i will see your miraculous work lord i pray even right now as people are making the decisions wherever they are seated wherever they are listening this lord jesus i pray right now would you stir in their heart holy spirit fall afresh on them right now we need your presence more than ever before come surround them keep them in the center of your will thank you jesus for all that you're doing i pray a fresh wind will fall lord jesus i pray we'll have a renewed strength lord jesus i pray lord we will look to you we will see that cloud in our spiritual eyes we'll see that that you are going before us lord i pray that lord we are sorry for grumbling and i pray that we'll be set free would you be god and lord over our lives go before us and strengthen us lord in your most holy name we pray amen amen we are excited as a church that as we celebrate 5 years we are just starting right now i believe god has great things in store but i'm grateful for each and every one of you who are on this journey and i just want to say specifically thank you thank you for being on this journey let's tell the world that jesus lives because i believe we are in a time we are in a time and an age where the gospel is needed the most where his word of encouragement and hope is needed the most where his gift of salvation has to be freely given and it's needed the most and i encourage you all let's all journey on together i would love to hear your stories of where you've stepped in into the waters in obedience and where you've seen god come through and we would live by the word of our testimony our love will be solely to him so that we'll be able to live the life that he's called us to live i pray that you'll be encouraged this week that you'll be strengthened can't wait to speak part 2 again with you but more than anything i want you to know that god loves you he wants what's best for you but in this pathway of seeing promises becoming a reality let us do our part right let us do our part right so that we'll be able to see it with our own eyes we'll be able to see it as much as god will lead our children there our future generations there i too want to see the promised land i want to want to see the fullness of his glory here on this earth i pray that you all have a blessed week god bless you all thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes if you like what you are hearing consider rating us subscribing and even sharing it with friends that would really help us for more content from we are zion and to connect with us go to weazion.in remember whoever finds jesus finds life